All right, welcome everybody to episode 12 of Yankee Chronicles podcast. I'm Bobby Ryan. You can reach any of us at Yankee Chronicles on Twitter at Yankee Chronicle. You could also visit us on the web at yankeechronicles.com. With me today is Evan. Hi, Evan here. You can follow me at EvanDWetzel4 on Twitter. And Donald Stewart. Hey, Donald here. You can find me on Twitter at DStewart267. And joining us today is our special guest, Scott, from Before the Pitch. Hey, thank you guys very much for having me. I'm Scott. You can catch me or my partner in crime at B4Mets underscore Yankees because you can love New York baseball no matter what shade of blue you're wearing. All right. And again, we want to thank you for joining us today. One of the hot topics this week was the interview given by Brian Cashman where he kind of skirted around or grazed upon some of the uh, the off-season hot topics in the Bronx. And I want to start off today with the everlasting drama of DJ LeMahieu. Uh, it came out even today that there seems to be a big gap in uh, the contract negotiations. Um, Scott, since you're joining us, we want to give you the first crack at uh, – what you thought of Cashman's comments about how the negotiations are going with DJ LeMayu and his camp? So uh, there's um, the way negotiations negotiations work is you pitch low so that you can negotiate up high. So uh, I think everyone believes that if he signs, that number is going to be bigger. I think Cashman knows that already. That's just how negotiations work. I think um, – we have DJ and Glaber, and I do not think these are two separate issues. I think this is the same issue, and here's why. I think Cashman is more likely to give the money to DJ had Glaber been a better shortstop because okay. committing to DJ means we're committing him at second base. I know we could go to first, but we'll put that in the back of our heads for a sec. Committing to DJ LeMahieu for the next four or five years means you're committing to Glaber at shortstop the next four or five years. I do not think, and we'll touch upon it in a second, that we know I don't think Cashman wants to or is ready right now to commit to Torres as shortstop for the next at least four or five years. So when we keep saying, well, why isn't he giving the extra money, even though I totally think he should give him the fifth year, give him the extra whatever million, um, I think he's saying to himself, I'm going to need a shortstop, and Glaber's not going to be that shortstop. And I think the proper trade partner for this is going to be, I really think it's Colorado's our best bet. And uh, we, I think what you'd have to do is you'd have to send Voigt to Colorado. And they're expecting a DH soon, especially with that field. They're, they would love, love Luke Voigt. You bring Story there, and it's like DJ LeMayhew money. If it doesn't get spent on DJ LeMayhew now, it's going to get spent on a shortstop um, next offseason. And I, I really do believe that unless we see this, this massive increase in uh, Torres' um, shortstop ability, um, I really think that that's, that's what's there for. I really think that. If, if Glaber's a better shortstop, if we can commit to Glaber, then we'd be more than happy to make sure LeMahieu's here. But I think there's this, this whole game of musical chairs going on in the infield, and, and some, someone's going to have to go. And it might be Voight. It might be Urshela, as much as I really, really, really hope that does not happen. Yeah. Uh, I think we have to prepare for ourselves for something that we're not going to like. Well, um, Evan, uh, to piggyback on what he, uh, Scott was saying, his comments about Glaber, where he made the statement that Glaber, he acknowledges that Glaber is better suited for second base, but can hold his own at shortstop. Did that kind of tip his hand a little bit that he might not be as committed to keeping Glaber at, at shortstop and might be looking to fill that position in a trade? I mean, Apps, if you look at the entire situation, there is a log jam in the infield, which is why uh, Scott mentioned the fact that, you know, you could trade Voight. You could look at moving uh, Geo. There's a lot of pieces that can go into that. So I think, yeah, they probably did look into that uh, for a bunch of reasons. Um, you need to lock up DJ LeMahieu, but the problem is, like I said, again, the log jam. So how do we go about that? We don't really know. Yeah. Um, Donald, one of the other comments that Cashman made during the week during that interview was on uh, Masahiro Tanaka. He kind of really skirted on that issue. He 
he made it seem like there was some players association issue, which really just came off like a BS answer. Um, do you, do you really, in your, in your, your heart of hearts as a, as a Yankee fan, did you get the impression that Cashman has really moved on from Tanaka and is ready to slide him and some of the younger arms? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was an unusual answer when he brought the whole, um, <clears throat> that what you were mentioning there, when he brought that up, I was like, yeah, he's not committed on Tanaka at all. Yeah, it made no sense. No, it made no sense to me at all. It was a, it was a weird answer. Um, <clears throat> so I, I wouldn't expect Tanaka under a Christmas tree. Uh, no. Um, I would say that uh, the comments that he made, um, there's so much to go into regarding his, uh, his interview, but in regards to starting pitching, uh, he said that Domingo Herman is a number two at worst, uh, including Montgomery's incredibly high on. I don't know if he viewed him as a number two starter. I don't know, but um, that was surprising. It, it also uh, slightly shocking as well. And he's all in on Severino, who's not pitched in about two years. Yeah. Well, as it is, you know, I, I think... And, you know, um, I was reading the New York Post, and Joel Sherman says that uh, agents are surprised at how docile Brian Cashman is on the starting pitching market at the moment. Um, all the sources are saying that Brian Cashman's not making many calls on starting pitching which is crazy at this time. Um, So they're really waiting this out. Um, Maybe they'll find a bargain. Um, uh, We did say in earlier podcasts that uh, this was going to be a very patient offseason. It looks like we only really have money for DJ LeMay here. Um, And then after that, it's going to be a lot of um, wheeling and dealing and some bargains. and we might even not have a high-profile player after DJ LeMahieu. I expect LeMahieu to sign. Um, but after that, I, um, I don't expect any much major moves, in my opinion. So I think uh, in starting pitching, he's going to go all in on a lot of young arms. Uh, he's, he's, he's hedging his bets, and it's, it's, it's the wrong call, but... That's just uh, that's where we're at. You know, it, it was brought up um, with the name Trevor Story. Um, Scott just mentioned him, and a few other people on Twitter mentioned him as well as a possible as a um, backup plan uh, for the infield. And I don't think he's a terrible player, but you really haven't seen him through the highlight reels after that rookie year that he had. Um, his defense is average. You know, I don't, I'm not a big stat guy, but I think that if the Yankees are as committed as they are to DJ LeMahieu, you know, the initial report was that he wanted five years, a hundred million. I think the Yankees should just give him that money. And if possible, if, when DJ first got signed, he, he was told bring every infield glove that he had and if they didn't have it, they'd give it to him. You know, that he was going to bounce around the infield. If LeMahieu is willing to commit to first base, Void can be that possibility to go to Colorado fourth story. Uh, Scott, I know you, you, you that was one of your uh, propositions you put up, your proposals that you would mention. Um, are you really? Do you really think that is a possibility, or is that something that's not really too? You know, shouldn't be looked at too seriously. So there's. It all depends on what we're prioritizing. Um, for for me personally, um, I just for my own money, and I'm not Brian Cashman, so I have to speak for me. I can't necessarily yeah. speak for Brian too much in this. Um, if you have a completely watertight infield, you're going to do just fine. And it would make sense if he really tightened up the the defense of the infield. Um, if his plan for pitching is to roll the dice on the new guys, because that's kind of like the parachute that you're packing for them. If they screw up, well, there's some leeway to that 
to the starting pitching cabin trail because we have this super tight defensive infield for that. Luke Voigt's thing is that his defense is not great. And everybody knows that. So the best case scenario, if the priority is defense and only defense, the best case scenario would be um, left to right, Urshela, Lindor, um, uh, Torres, LeMahieu at first. Yeah. And people forget how tall DJ LeMahieu is. He's taller than me. I'm 6'3". He, I think he's a little bit taller than me. He's huge. Um, I do not think Lindor is a possibility. I think that, uh, at least for the Yankees, just because we know uh, of previous experience that the Indians do not like trading within competitive American League teams. Uh, they would purposely charge us extra for him. And I think that's out of the question. And I, and I think that story is the realistic option uh, because we, we, don't, we deal with Colorado before. Colorado likes us. We like Colorado. Uh, we don't affect them. They don't affect us. So I think it makes us good trade partners. I do not think, however, Cashman is going to do that because Yankees' M.O. is – hit home runs. Yeah. He is not going to give up uh, the dirt cheap Luke Voigt at first base, who I absolutely love. Luke Voigt. I don't want to get rid of Luke Voigt. I'm just saying if that's the route we take, he would be that one who has to go and he has a value um, to him. And we know that Cashman is likely not going to uh, swerve from this plan though I think we do, story for another time, um, because we are hearing that he, maybe he might be interested in Schwarber, and Schwarber is the biggest home runner, strikeout hitter ever. We have enough of those in the lineup. So the, the fact that we've been hearing that he also might be linked with him indicates to me that he's not going to bail on Luke Voigt because he's still within that strategy, so therefore he might not prioritize the defense. And I, my biggest fear is we don't up the pitching and do not prioritize defense, so both of them regress from last year. If one regress you can make up for the other if you up it. But my biggest fear is they both kind of drop like that. No, and Schwaber, we talked about, you know, you know, through conversations on Twitter and, and we discussed him in uh, last week's episode. It's pretty much you're signing an outfield version of an Anduhan. You'll have the offense, but they don't give you nothing on defense. You know, and that's not something that's really going to fit the Yankees. That's not going to propel them to a World Series run. It's almost it's like it's going to be a step back. You know, you can hit all the runs you want, but if there's no defense, the pitches, you know, we don't know what that we don't even know what the rotation's going to look like. So they they need to build their strength on the defense, on the hot corners and in the outfield. Schwaber is not that guy. Uh Evan, I wanted to ask you because you're you're our trade guru. Okay, <laughs> that's what I'm calling you now. You're the master of it. Um, the Trevor Story trade with with Voight and Vo would it take Voight or Urshela for Colorado to make that deal, being that they're already looking to move Arenado? Well, I mean, that depends if they actually go ahead and move him. I don't think they would move both. I think it's either Nolan or Story gets moved. I don't think it's both. So, um, you know, I think it would probably cost Voight and two uh, prospects, maybe mid-tier or one top tier, maybe like Gill or Medina, something like that. Um, maybe Abreu, but his value's down quite a bit. Um, but it's definitely possible. Um, I agree. I don't think we have a shot at Lindor. I think it would cost way too much. And I know people say that um, because of the extension, maybe the value of that trade um, would be a little easier for us. I disagree. We're the Yankees and people are yeah. a pain in the ass with us. The Mets are hard to trade with. Pittsburgh screws us all the time for no reason. We don't even play Pittsburgh. Why do they care? They do it anyway. Um, so you really want to look at teams that um, Cashman has good relationships with. So that's definitely Colorado. That's uh, the Angels, um, Arizona, San Diego, teams like that. Yeah. So, um, Donald, do you <coughs> to get to to go back to you with, with to follow up the Tanaka question from earlier? If they don't go after, if they don't reach a deal with Tanaka. Who do you think that somebody like a Liam Hendricks would be a second that you know somebody that would fit the rotation where 
they might not have a lot of innings on their arm, you know, but they're still a seasoned guy that can hold the fort with Cole. That's a, that's a possibility. I've, um, so let's have a look at it as it is right now. So we've got Garrett Cole, number one. Uh, you're expecting Debbie. That'll be two. Um, I guess, what would you say, Herman? Would you say Herman's? Well, let, let's say, as of now, for, for discussion's sake, you have the your starting five is Cole, Severino, Garcia, um, Montgomery, Herman. and Herman or um, Schmidt. Schmidt. I don't think Schmidt's quite ready I think, yet. He might need another I think year's between Herman and Schmidt, I think whoever has the better spring training will get that fifth spot, and the other guy will still stay in the major leagues, but will assume a bullpen role to fill in that get that spot for Holder. And then, and of course, Severino, he's not just going to be walking into spring training. All he, it's no, no, no. It's going to be like July or August. Right? Yeah, no, I'm saying long, you know, long term. But I think depending on who perseveres in spring training with their development, can solid, you know, can cement their role in a rotation. I mean, our our weaknesses last year was defense, especially shortstop and catcher, especially, um, but defense across the board and starting pitching outside of Garrett Cole. And also um, some issues in the bullpen. Um, so Cashman's comments concern me a little bit because it doesn't sound like he's all in on starting pitching, especially with the yeah. with the reports. So um, I don't know whether he's just saying this um, in order not to um, raise the price tag. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. there's been lots of times over the previous years where there'd be a blatant uh, position that we need to strengthen. But then Cashman would say, no, 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 I think we can find it internally. But that's just to make sure that the agents don't up the price all the time. If he goes, oh, yeah, we desperately need starting pitching. So I think he might be just – he might be playing a game, you know. He might be um, playing his, his, his cards close to his chest in that regard. So – we don't. We, we can't always take everything that Cashman says at face value. You got to have to look in between the lines a little bit. So there might be a chance that um, that we, we we go in on on starting pitching. Maybe just uh, it's going to take a little bit of time to watch the, how the market develops. Um, obviously Bauer's out of the question. We can't afford him. So maybe we'll be waiting for Bauer to to go off the board, and then we'll. Um, We'll, we'll start have a look at the prices of the other guys that you mentioned. Um, we all, I'd say the most likely is the trade route. Um, yeah. There was a rumor that we were interested in a uh, trade with Pittsburgh. Did you guys hear this one? Josh? Yeah, no, it, yeah, I did hear about that one. I'm yeah. still, you know, Pittsburgh is, hasn't really been uh, the kindest to the Yankees on the trade market. So uh, they kind of have names, a little skeptical of, of making a deal with them. Yeah, but the names mentioned is interesting. I mean, there's a starting pitching pitcher there whose value is a little bit down because of injury, but, you know, he's, he's been successful. You know, that his stock might rise if he came to New York. Um, and then Bell's a good first baseman, power hitter, so, and, and a lefty as well. So that would actually work better. Is we obviously we need some lefties in our bat uh, in our batting lineups. So. Yeah. So, um, but the the mention of, of Josh Bell, uh, we've also in this discussion itself discussed what would happen. You know, is Luke Voigt the highest possibility of being in a trade? Um, with Josh Bell coming over, if that rumor still starts to it continues to sizzle. Yeah, um, Scott, do you see that as more as uh, a foregone conclusion that Voight is the guy that everybody's asking for? So the Yankees are already starting to kind of feel around to how they can address the first base issue. Feeling around, definitely for sure. Um, I'm glad you guys brought up the Pittsburgh thing because uh, that was going to be a question I was going to throw in later for you guys to see what you guys thought of it. So great. Thank you for uh, bringing that up. Um, 
But what if Cash is playing 4D chess with this? Let's let's have a little bit of fun. That could still be a little bit realistic. He could find a way to trade for Josh Bell with like an Anduar, maybe some other people, um, yeah. prospect pitchers. And then what if they flip Josh Bell? So he never even plays for the Yankees. What if you get Josh Bell just to flip Josh Bell? I I don't know how true that could be, but like I, I have to imagine Cashman's thinking about that because you, you would think Josh Bell might have a, a higher trade value than Voight, I would at least imagine. So what if there's a way you can pull that off without giving up too, too much of, of what we, we, we consider like our line of defense. And then um, you, you're able to keep Voight and you flip Bell, like you trade him just to get him and you still get that pitcher um, that, that you need that, that could be really useful. Um, I would love for something uh, a little bit – I call it like 4D chess because he's thinking uh, – at least I'm thinking that Cashman is thinking in this million different directions. Um, but the eyeball test tells you that Bell should be playing first because of um, – he's a lefty. Uh, he had a down year last year or the, this past year. So it, it's you, – you're we're, I think we don't know. And I say we, I mean us and just the world in general. Don't know how to differentiate – between a super awesome year and what to regularly expect with people who have not been around for very, very long. And I think that's tricky. Yeah. So, you know, that hot start where nobody has really has a book on them yet. And then the, 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 the offensive player that hasn't readjusted to the pitching adjustments. I'm assuming that's what you're alluding to. Yeah, because didn't Josh Bell, didn't like, was it 2019? He Didn't he have like some insane like stretch yeah. of home runs? Yeah. Am I right? Did, yeah. No, yeah, he was, he was uh, in the MVP talks for a while during that, that year. Yeah, and then this past year he like disappeared into nowhere. Am yeah. I correct? He had like one super. So you're left up in the air with which one of these are you going to get from, from, from now on? But you have Luke Voigt who's on this upward trajectory. And at that point we're asking what's the peak of that trajectory? Is the peak of that trajectory in what we just saw in the short season? Is that something that's going to continue next year? Or, or, or will that be it? And then he falls down. So we're, we're kind of predicting the future with not a lot of data to go off of, at least in my, in my opinion. So I think that's where, where I think Cashman might be struggling with. At, at what point is Voight at its greatest value that we cannot get anything else? It's like the stock market. It's essentially what you're doing. At what point is this going to drop off and trade it at its highest point? My pessimistic self thinks that we might have seen the best of Luke Voigt, though I hope that's not true. So that's why I'm, I feel like he's the easiest one to get rid of in that regard. And it's, it's easy. That's the easiest position to find a left-handed hitter, which we so desperately need. And we are talking about Josh Bell being that person. I personally don't care about how far the lefty hits it because once it's over the wall, it's over the wall. Yeah. So I don't care if it's, if yeah, it whether it's by one foot or 50 feet, it's still yeah. still a round trip, but no matter how many how many times you measure it. Yeah, I, I want a dude who is a diverse hitter who can do different things with different pitches and make different stuff happen. Like DJ LeMahieu is Josh Bell that hitter? I don't think so. Is Luke Voigt a little bit more of that hitter? I think so. So that that's why. I, I'm thinking it might be best for the Yankees to get really creative and do something almost video game ish. To okay. if you did pull that Pittsburgh trade and then flip Bell. So, am I crazy? Someone tell me I'm crazy. A little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> no, no, Evan, do you have like, a thought? I see your wheels turning, Rev. I'm sorry? I said I see your wheels turning. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 like, I like that move. I, I think that um, we have to do a bunch of things because you need to determine, do we need – home runs or do we need to fix defense and add a lefty bat? I think defense and a lefty bat is more important than another home run guy in Voight. So if we can move him for one of those two things or bullpen help or another pitcher, I think it's now's the time to do it because that value really isn't going to go up that much higher. You think he's going to become a gold glove candidate? Maybe, but doubtful. So I think this is, you know, the time where his value was as high as it could possibly be. You trade it for something that we need. And we need a couple things right now, even though we're, 
in my opinion, a top five team. We're a top five team with a bunch of question marks all over the place, and it sucks. Yeah. You know, I, I think it goes without saying that LeMahieu is the key to everything else. You know, Cashman can't afford to lose LeMahieu. Because I think if he loses LeMahieu, the fans are going to go into a frenzy. Oh, yeah. If the Yankees miss the mark with the postseason without LeMahieu, I think Cashman's going to – he's going to have to go into hiding. Um, I, I don't think he survives the, the fan retaliation of – well, we could have gotten this far, we, you know, we could have gotten further with LeMahieu, you know, but Cashman decided to be a little on the cheap side and not just give him that five years, 100 million. It's not just that. Sorry, we're, we're apparently we're $25 million apart yeah. at the moment. Which I, I think that's, that's crazy. I don't, I'm not sure. No, I, I don't buy that. I don't really buy that too much. I well, think apparently we've offered four seventy five. I think we've offered four seventy five, and he wants. Uh, and he wants to what does he want? Twenty million over five years. So it's uh, hundred. Numbers start to get thrown out when both sides are negotiating and they're yeah. trying to get leverage. That's all it is. We the fans don't really know. All we know is that the market is now moving based off yeah. of those. You know, don't forget. I think that part of it is press clickbait because you're starting to see interest from other teams now. Well, the Yankees haven't made up their mind. Let's see if we can swipe this player in negotiation and well raise the stakes a little bit and see if the Yankees dig deeper in their pocket and take them out of the equation for another player. So I think some of these numbers that are being spit out are, in fact, just just rumor. You know, we don't, you know, we're, like Evan said, we're not at the negotiation tables. We don't see the discussions that go on. They could just be saying, all right, well, they already have their numbers. They're about, you know, for all we know, tomorrow they could announce that everything is done and it was done days ago. You know, but... Sometimes they might not want to – they might be waiting for like a Monday or a Tuesday because on the weekends, especially at this time of year, football is the hot game right now. Who's pay, really paying attention aside from people like me that don't watch other sports? You know, so I think that their negotiations are still going on and they're solid. We just might not be hearing it as from a public perspective. Scott, did you want to answer? No, I mean, his no, interview, it came across clear that he's his first and foremost priority is DJ LeMahieu. That's okay. what I got from his interview. That was his priority. So I do expect it to happen. Um, but uh, Michael K show, Michael K is saying that Toronto really, really want DJ. And so we, we, I, I don't think we should be too cute with this. No, and I know that was a question. Also interested. Right. So if we want them, we need to make it happen. Obviously, Cashman always uses this uh, this analogy of, well, it's a dance and blah, blah, blah. Well, sometimes you just close the deal yeah. rather than dance. Okay, so I think uh, I don't want to play too cute with this. Yeah. But it is interesting, the, the DJ uh, LeMahieu plus Luke Voigt thing here because there is – Cashman's interview also made it pretty clear that he's not all in on Glaber. Uh, as a as a shortstop that Scott referred to, so that is something to pay attention to. Um, is an interesting log jam in the infield, even if we do sign uh, DJ long term, because I don't believe that uh, Torres is going to be our starting shortstop uh, next year. I think he will be this year, but not next year. Uh, Scott, your thought? Yeah, sorry. So. I think it might have been one of you guys who tweeted this about like half an hour ago. If it is one of you guys, call yourselves out, give yourself credit. I thought it was one of you guys tweeted that we haven't, all we hear about other teams is that they're interested. We haven't heard even a rumor of an offer from another team. So is it possible no one's given DJ an offer? 
especially with Toronto, because here's why Toronto is the interesting one. So Toronto right now, we're, we're operating in a world where owners are claiming they have lost a lot of money, which I, I do believe that that is a yeah. real thing. That, that they lost a lot of money. Toronto, right now, I believe right now, is a front runner for Lindor. You're not going to get Lindor unless you're going to give him a lot of money. So, are we really to believe the Toronto Blue Jays are going to trade for Lindor, extend him forever, give him a massive contract, and also give DJ LeMahieu five years? A hundred million. David, um, uh, is his name David Sampson? Do you guys listen to his podcast? Or do you guys know who David Sampson is? No, I'm not familiar. So he was the president for the Florida slash Miami Marlins up okay. until Jeter uh, on the team. And he has a he has a podcast which is really really good. It's off of it's out of CBS. It's called Nothing Personal. He had a, a quick blog. Um, where he just talked about it super quick, and then he had like a, a small little article thing they published through CBS. I think it was just yesterday I read it, and he says. He thinks the Yankees only offered him um, four for four years, 75 mil. He said, because no one else is going to top that. Because everyone else who keeps saying they're going to go get him has so many bigger fish to fry. There's no way that they are going to pay him that, that much. And that does make sense if you consider – well, we haven't really heard a rumor about Suns. We just hear interested. And right now, Toronto is interested in anyone who breathes oxygen. Yeah. So – it's so that actually makes you wonder: Are are we actually have the upper hand, and then, and we he'll end up at like four years, um, with, with eighty million? Do we actually have the upper hand in this? Have we actually considered that? Because whole time we're panicking that we're not. What if we are? You know, one other point, and I don't think until now I didn't even think of it. So I don't know who else might have. Toronto, because of their travel restrictions with the pandemic may need to find another location to play during the regular season, which may or may not add more expense to their their overall, you know, gains. So they might not be as aggressive in the market, not knowing if they have to borrow another stadium like they did in Buffalo. So – that's another factor that can just diminish some of these other rumors that you hear. Now, Evan, do you think that's, am I missing the mark or is that, or is that possible? No, I think you're right. I also think that's why those numbers were thrown out for DJ so that maybe the other teams who say they are interested can see by how much they're off uh, with the numbers uh, so they can jump in maybe. Um, so, yeah, I do think we have the upper hand. I'm not too worried. I think they're going to get it done. I think it's going to be something like a four-year, $75, $80 million deal with the vesting option for a fifth year. Um, I think we get it done. Yeah. Well, one of the first proposals that we were talking, you know, at the season's end, we said, you know, I put the suggestion out that for LeMahieu, you know, four years – with the fifth year as a player option. So if in five years, if he's still happy with the way that the Yankees are in, in motion, he can stay or he could say, all right, you know, I, I gave you all I could. It's time to go somewhere else. I think that's still a possibility in that contract. Scott, if, you know, I don't, you haven't heard that one before, I'm sure. What do you think? Uh, I, I haven't thought about the player option. That's that's a, that's an interesting idea. I can't imagine if the Yankees win the World Series in the next five years, um, mm-hmm. at least once. Can I <laughs> try to think, do? Do I imagine DJ wanting to go anywhere else? Here's the thing: people who come yeah. to New York, ever notice this? They come here, they all want to stay here. Red Sox who win in Boston like it here better. <laughs> I'm looking at Johnny Damon. He's the first one. I yeah. Look out for that. He liked yeah. it here better. He's been very open about that. Tanaka likes it here. All these people like it here better. So you're, you're playing at that point. If you're just going to give him the player option for five, you might as well just give him the fifth because he's obviously going to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it might just, you know, DJ gets his fifth year to be in New York and Cashman feels like, all right. I'm not committing to that year right now, but I know I'm going to get that. You know, I, I know he's going to take that fifth year, but I didn't have to give it to him, you know? So it's kind of like that 
a, a way that everybody stays happy. It does keep you happy. And that also, actually, now that you're, okay, so now, now you're leaning me towards your side. Now you're leaning me towards your side <laughs> because now you could be saying, if he has that fifth year, he can, like, convince DJ to not take that fifth year. You could be like, well, we do have this other second baseman who, and God knows five years down the line, who that's going to be, who, who, who it could be. Who, here's the thing, DJ, we'll, we, you could obviously take it, but he's going to get a lot more playing time. You know what I mean? So he, he could do that to kind of get himself, to weasel himself out of it, kind of satisfy him right now. I think, you know, you, you got me on that. Oh, good yeah. job. They can also make it. Once a- in a while, I get one. Once in a while. <laughs> They can also make it similar to the vesting option that Hap got where he had to make yeah. a certain amount of innings. So, you know, do it based on, you know. Yeah, incentive-ridden. Yeah. You know, there, there are ways to carve this out that both sides agree to the terms without feeling like somebody had to give in on terms. You know, there are, you know, there are multiple ways to do that. Yeah. Uh, there's one last issue that I I wanted to bring up before we close out this episode, and only because I don't feel like he's getting enough um, mention in social media and in negotiations, and that is going back to Tanaka. You know, is he a player that still can um, contribute significantly? You know, not not average, but significant contributions to this roster, even at his age. Scott, um, before before we talk about Tanaka, I just got to quickly show off my Tanaka time flag. Okay, <laughs> I got to show that off. All right, that's pretty cool. Love it. Yeah. I brought that to the uh, ALCS last year, the game the Tanaka pitch. That was the first one back at Yankee Stadium, right? Yeah, uh, I, yeah I brought it to that. That's we were awesome. waving. It, it, it was awesome. It was a blast. Okay, so and I show that because it's important to show my perspective of where my heart is on Tanaka. That's okay. Um, and, and, and now you start wrestling with, and I tell my students all the time, I'm a teacher, you have to argue with this. You can't argue with this. It is very difficult for me to talk about Tanaka without arguing with this, but I'm going to do my best at it. Right. Um, he is someone who I think put in way more than he was able to get out of New York um, in the sense that I think it's, it was easier for me to watch Matsui go away. And Matsui is a top three favorite Yankee of mine of all time. It was easier for me to let him bow out because he already got his ring and he's a World Series MVP. So like he got – his time's worth. He gave us what we needed. Yeah. And and I do not feel like Tanaka (laughs) got that ring he needed. So it's like, part of me is like, just, just stay for one more year. We're this close. And we're constantly this close. We are stuck in almost their land. Like just just stay for one more year and he could just get a little bit. But then part of me says, if if all he can do really is be a number three, he's going to ask for a lot more money than what we should be paying a number three. You probably could kind of replacement especially since his elbow is a ticking time bomb if he goes somewhere else if he does come back he will have to be very very generous on that contract and, and give us a really cheap home discount in order for that to be worth it as much as i really really want him here and i do think he can contribute in a number three role um that might not be the most economic move for a number three so i would ask just just go back to japan just don't go anywhere else It'll probably be Anaheim, but just just go back to Japan, where yeah. I can know that you were always mine. Yeah, Evan, your thoughts? I don't think he wants to leave, and I don't want him to either. I think that this was a very odd season. I think that we can't really question um, how horrible he was in the playoffs because in the playoffs he's normally pitching in front of us uh, at a packed stadium in New York yeah. where, you know, the atmosphere is exactly what he wants. He loves New York. He's loyal to New York. He opted in because he didn't even want to leave uh, three years ago. And I think he will give us a discount. But the problem is we need a pretty damn big discount. Uh, can we go that low? Can he go that low? Maybe not. If he's a number three starter and the market is good for him, I don't think it's fair for us to ask him to give us that discount. Donald, your final thoughts? It's a very much um, an agreement with the guys there. I, I think if we, uh, you know, especially with the dearth of 
uh, lack of depth in our starting rotation that we should consider bringing him back. Maybe in a one-plus-one deal, but it would need to be at a discount. Um, we need to survey the market. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's very much a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, you know? And, and, yeah. and it's kind of a shame because he was a stalwart in the playoffs. He was just locked down phenomenal pitcher in the playoffs. And just because of last year then or uh, playoffs didn't go quite to plan. But there was all kinds of different factors to that. There's COVID, no fans. There's a whole lot of things. And there was also added pressure to him because we, we screwed up the whole game too so much that we put it all on his shoulders, which is kind of unfair because yes. he's more of a finesse pitcher now. He's not like a Roger Clemens mow him down from 20 strikeouts kind of guy, you know? It's, it's, it's a lot of pressure on him. I, I think uh, I think that, that we should consider bringing him back, but Cashman kind of made it pretty clear that, that he is almost not in the forefront of his plans at all at the moment. But that might change, but at the moment he's not. Question right. for you guys. If that price tag is too high for Tanaka, say he wants three years – 45, 50 million or something, would you then pivot and go back to Paxton and try to do one year 12, 15? No, I think we've moved on from Paxton. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Paxton. In the beginning, I thought that Paxton would, wouldn't be damaging to bring him back on that one year. Yeah, you know, I've brought that up a couple of times. And I also do want to point out that we've made it 12 episodes in a row mentioning game two. Um, <laughs> so our record still stands. For next week as well. I'm going to name it next week and the week after. It never Just fails. Just how stupid they are. You know, so, but I think Paxton is one of those, you know what, there's other quality on the market. You don't, you know, we don't need to go back down that road right now. I'd rather He's see the last team. man standing, maybe, but I still would be hesitant. I think his his medical history has pushed me away from from Paxton as a formidable rotation spot. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, my oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, my, my issue with Paxton is the injury. I think he's a good pitcher. I think he's a damn good pitcher. And I'm I'm so glad that he got two killer clutch Yankee games that he threw that were killer. One of them, a lot of people don't remember, was Players Weekend in Los Angeles, where he shut them down for like, I think it was like seven innings. He pitched out of his mind. And then, even though he screwed up game two of the CS last year, yeah, the ALCS last year, uh, which was a a whole bunch of factors that that added up to that. Um, He comes back in like game five, keeps us alive by throwing the game of his life. And I know he threw a perfect game. I'm sorry, but that game against Houston was the best game of his career because there's pressure, there's stakes, and he so overachieved for that. I'm really happy for him that he got that. And I think those two games show that he is a damn good pitcher. The problem is you can't pitch well when you can't walk on the field. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that—that was a point that we've brought up many times with a lot of these pitches, and even with the fielders. Mm -hmm. You know, we've brought up. You know, we've gone to these discussions with Sanchez and Stanton and Judge. You know, the list is so long with all the injuries that they go through. You know, so I think you know, I'm going to close out with what I said right from the very beginning is this is going to be a very long offseason. And it's going to really test the Yankees' patience, and not just the organization, but the fans. You know, I, I think we're in for a long ride, but I think we're gonna, it's gonna, they're going to make it worth our wait. There was no mention of, of the last thing that Cashman mentioned in his interview, that he wanted Aaron Boone to stay for another 10 years. Jesus Christ, I missed that part. Kill me now. Oh, yeah, that's what he said, boy. I want Aaron Boone here for another 10 years. Well, why not? He's one of them, you know, he's got a winning winning, winning percentage. Yeah. (laughs) He he, he was the quickest manager to 200 wins ever. And I don't even care. Yeah. You know, it's, you could, you know, I know the manager is very important. I manage out of a paper bag. Yeah. I think everyone's opinion on Aaron Boone comes down to how much of the stupidity do you think is him and how much do you think it's somewhere else? I exactly. think I think a lot of it comes from 
uh, nerds in the tunnel. Did you guys read Bob Clapish's book, uh, Inside the Empire? Where yeah, he talks a about really, really good book. Yeah, now he talks about the people who are like relaying the message. I guess me, me, me and my uh, my partner, Cry Billy, we call them nerds in the tunnel. Um, but but I I do think a lot of the head scratching stuff is people yeah. in a headset somewhere else. Like 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 the like game two heavy guard. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that he there is no way nothing short of Jesus himself walking in this room and telling me otherwise is going to convince me that that was not decided beforehand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not so that's why him. he's a puppet. Why, why he do is, you want to put a manager? So what's the he point? Is. All, all managers are these days. That's why people don't want think for yourself they, managers because everything is numbers. Everything is but but the chart says everything is but the chart says. And once you do that, Aaron Boone fits exactly what Cashin wants him to do. That thing he wants him to do is smile, and it, it's talk less, smile more. Do you guys see Hamilton? Talk less, smile more, and that and that's what he does, and that's what Cashman wants, and I think Boone knows that's what he signed up for. And as aggravating as that is for us, because we want someone with a little bit more control, I think we. I I thought getting rid of Girardi was a terrible idea. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, but but I think we're all kind of waiting for like, oh, what about Girardi? Here's the thing. G- Girardi and, and, and Cashman, I don't think, started getting along at the end because yeah. it's all about how much does a controller. Girardi was too yeah. old school. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as much as he was very much, in, you know, he appreciated the analytical look, he still had that, that old soul in him where he wasn't going to let anybody tell him how to manage his game. Right. And I don't That's think he was But here's something else I want to add. And I mentioned on our pre. Uh, uh, my chat that I did with the with the with the ladies earlier. They, it doesn't matter who they have as a manager. The only the, the biggest motivation for these players to progress and push forward is us, the fans. So it doesn't matter who the manager is. It could be Big Bird. If we have their back, they're not going to want to let us down. And I think that is something that is very underestimated. You know, uh, is not mentioned enough. And, you know, like players always say, oh, you know, the fans, the fans, there's a reason that they say that. That's because we're the ones that push them to keep pushing forward. You know, it's whether they have the ability to do that, that's on them and the manager to give them the tools to do that. But at the, the, at the end of the day, we decide a Yankee player's fate whether they're going to be run out of town or whether they're going to be beloved. You know, so that's going to be my final thought. A slight piggyback off of that. Trevor Bauer did say the Mets are – the Mets fans are the ones who are working so hard to pursue. But you, but you know what that tells me? It tells me they're on their phones. They are reading stuff. And you have to think that works to our advantage for LeMahieu because – Yankee fans are screaming and hollering for him back, so that could only be good things as far as uh, um, as far as him coming back. If he is one of those people who's looking at his phone, I, maybe he is, maybe he's not. I have no idea. But but I, I love the way you word that. It's like we have more control maybe than we think, and we're clamoring for a dude like DJ. Y- you have to wonder, like at some point, it's like okay, you know, these guys are really kind of kind of going for me because Trevor Bauer shows me that. Look they what it are did looking. for, but look what it did for us last year with Cole. You know, and it almost kind of moves my point a little more towards towards truth. You know, and I'm very rarely right. I'll admit that. You know, I, I, I'm more passionate than knowledgeable. So sometimes it's hard to, you know, to, to drive my point in where people get where I'm coming from. And I think you did. Um, so I... I the end of the day, I think that before New Year's, LeMahieu will be back in uniform. I agree. You know, and that, that's a date that we've been saying a few times. You know, as much as we think it's going to be a long offseason, I think LeMahieu is that one move that's done before the, the calendar turns over. And then it's gonna, we're going to trickle in the rest of the, the roster spots little by little, but as long as we get LeMahieu, they'll bite, it'll bite us more patience. Right, My Andy. final thoughts are, I don't think much is going to change. Gary Sanchez is going to be the catcher. Cashman's already made that clear. 
I think Lemayhew's going to come back, and and I don't think we're really going to address the starting rotation to get a big time number two. I think we might just kind of mix and match a little bit. That's the way it's looking at the moment. So um, I don't think the major issues that were very prevalent um, in the in the shortened season will be addressed. That's that's what I think at the moment. I don't know what you guys think. So, Evan, your second final thought, being that we kind of went into a different topic. Yeah, I think just to go back to what we were discussing before, Trevor Bauer speaks a lot. You know what he's thinking at all times. DJ LeMay, who's really quiet, is a much more yeah, he's a much more sheltered personality. So, you know, it's hard for us as fans to assess what's going through his mind and how much he really wants to be back. But the fact of the matter is we've already heard from him and others that he wants to be back. So I'm confident that this gets done. I just think that this is normal negotiation process. We haven't even had the winter meetings yet. We just got off a really weird season, and we're trying to figure it out when owners are very reluctant to spend money. So, you know, it's going to be a very long off season that's going to be based on hopefully a strong uh, trade market because I don't think we're going to be willing to spend the money past DJ LeMay. All right. All right. That's going to wrap us up for this week's episode of Yankee Chronicles podcast. And as always, go check out docadamsbaseball.com and sign that petition, petition to get him into the Hall of Fame. And again, this is Yankee Chronicles podcast. You can find us on yankeechronicles.com. And we want to also thank again Scott for joining us from Before the Pitch. You can check out it. If you want to give one more shout to your channel, you go right ahead. Oh, thank you guys very much for having me. I was so hyped to be on here with you guys. Have me back anytime. It really is a treat to, to get invited to go see you guys. You guys can find me or my partner in crime, Billy the Mets fan, at B4 Mets underscore Yankees because you can love New York baseball no matter what shade of blue you are wearing. All right. So I want to thank everybody again for tuning in to episode 12. You can find us on YouTube and Spotify. So make sure you like, share, and subscribe to both channels. And we hope to see you again next week. Be safe. Be smart. Have a good night. Good night, guys.